Hello, and welcome to Objective Health. My name is Erica, and I'll be hosting today. Joining me in the virtual studio is Elliot, Doug, Tiffany, and in the background, we have Damien. Yep. Hello. So today we're going to dive deeper into the abyss, the swamp, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> of uh, the future of food and kind of carrying over from last week's uh, discussion about Project Salus and AI and data mining and all the wonderful things that are happening in this uh, time that we live in. <laughs> we figured we'd just have a discussion. And uh, what's kind of interesting is I went back through some old articles that we carry on SOT.net and one of them I found was called Six Ways Food is Being Used as a Weapon. And this was actually uh, written back in 2011. But it's very telling about what we're experiencing right now. So um, in the introduction to this article, uh, the author talks about hungry people will do anything for food, which means that those who have control over our food can use it as leverage. And in 1974, Henry Kissinger suggested using food as a weapon to induce targeted population reduction in a previously classified report, 200-page report called the National Security Memorandum 200, Implications of Worldwide Population Growth for U.S. Security and Overseas Interest. And the primary tactic is to be applied is that food aid would be withheld from developing nations until they submitted to birth control policies. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole idea of eugenics about this, but basically what the author is saying is that um, food being used uh, as a method of colonization control, um, the, these kinds of tactics only really work as a blunt weapon um, on territories or countries. Um, during uh, and enduring a severe economic collapse with little uh, resources for food production. And hello, we're in those times right now. <laughs> um, because of massive consolidation of corporate agriculture, uh, centrally coordinated global regulations, which we talked about in last week's show, and a devalued commodity dollar and unrestrained commodity speculation, uh, real or manipulated food shortages, which we've all just experienced, um, mm. there's a war being waged and food is the primary weapon. And this article goes into six different ways. They talk about food inflation, which we've seen, you know, um, shortages, which we've seen, chemical additives, which we've been talking about for years, more regulation, uh, genetic modification, of course, is in there. And then number six is the weather. So, you know, as a farmer, all these things really play into the future viability of being able to produce and actually distribute and get food out to people. And it's pretty scary stuff. You know, I mean, you realize when you read that this stuff was being written about in 2010 and the steps that have been happening along the way. I mean, we watched this with genetic modification, um, you know, people's demanding a right to label, and we thought we had this huge victory, and then, you know, 
these corporations um, really are like 10 steps ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, they, it's almost like they, uh, they plan strategically how they're going to get people to accept such a sinister kind of distorted agenda. And, um, you know, with GMO in particular, like now you can buy so many products that say GMO free and this, that, and the other thing. But I'm wondering now if these are all just kind of a, um, a bait and switch, you know, like to, to people just generally read headlines. They don't really do their due diligence. And one of the things that we're seeing is this mass, um, Call, like taking over of every major company. And I think, Doug, you have the image behind you, but mm-hmm. basically like four or five corporations control 85% of the food around mm-hmm. the world, production, distribution, all of that. So it's pretty, it's consolidation that's happening at a rapid scale and we're just not really seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too, since that article has been written, other things that have kind of come in. Like I'm reminded of that, um, it was a few months ago, I guess, that George Monbiot wrote that article for The Guardian that was talking about um, how the future of food would be basically farmless and that everything would be grown in vats, in labs, and all food would basically, we would no longer have to do our destructive process of farming the land um, and everything would just come from a lab. Um, which I think, you know, back in 2011 when they wrote that article, they didn't necessarily see that coming. I don't think anybody really saw that coming. Um, you know, maybe people back in the 50s were dreaming about people taking a pill and that would be all the, all the nutrition that they needed for the entire day, but it was always kind of just in the realm of science fiction. But now mm-hmm. the, the rise of fake food, I think, is something that isn't, wasn't necessarily on the radar back then. You know, when we would talk about fake food, you'd be talking about processed food. But now, you know, the kind of stuff that's coming out now, like the fake meat and the like the lab grown meat and like fake this and fake that, it's really it's it's really scary because, you know, combined with what we were talking about in last week's show, if there is a complete and total um, control of the food system top to bottom, it's like you won't have any say in what you get to eat. You know, you won't be able to say, no, I don't want to eat the fake meat. I want to eat the, I want to eat a real steak. It's like, no, you don't have a choice. This is what you get. This is your allotted protein requirement for the week. Or if you think that you're, you know, you can support quote unquote health food industries or, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, one thing that's, um, been written about is that the the whole health food industry has been completely taken over as mm-hmm. well. So over the past 20 years, whole food, whole foods market has acquired almost all of its competition and um, the, ta- the chain dominates the market and it really has no national competitor. And um, I'm just looking at an article called big corporations have an overwhelming amount of power over our food supply. And this was written by the economic collapse blog back in 2014. So, you know, you think, well, I'm not interested in fake food, so I'm just going to buy health food. I'm just going to support, you know, whole foods, Amazon, whatever. But, um, over the past five years, so again, this was back in 2014, but 
gross sales have increased by half, so 47% to the tone of almost $12 billion in the health food industry. And um, one way they've kind of achieved this is by selling conventional foods under the guise or the false illusion that they're better than regular, you know, the regular grocery store food. And so mm-hmm. we see this a lot, like Doug was talking about, you know, the rise of the impossible burger, the rise mm-hmm. of the whole vegan push, or um, if you don't want the impossible burger, what's the other one you get? You Beyond have that other burger. choice. Beyond the, yeah, burger. the Beyond Burger, <laughs> right? So it's, again, this whole um, control. And one of the biggest fr- food distributors of natural food or health food in the United States is called United Foods International. And they control all distribution of all organic and natural foods. Mm. So this is a big deal. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of the supplement industry too. You know, in the face of the supplement industry, everybody's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to take supplements because I don't want to deal with all that big pharma stuff. And, you know, I'm going to put my dollars towards these supplements. Well, the supplement industry, I mean, I don't I don't know the figures off the top of my head, but it's overwhelmingly controlled by the pharmaceutical industry. So it's like your dollars are all going to the same people. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, supplements are preferable to um, pharmaceuticals in most situations. But um, the idea that you're kind of supporting the little guy is just, in many cases, not true, with some exceptions. Right, Elliot? Yeah, indeed. I mean, it, it's, it's growing by the day kind of thing, the industry is, especially over the past decade. And it's, it's like multi-billion, right? Mm-hmm. Multi-billion dollar industry. And so whenever that happens, it's, it's, you're naturally going to bring in the hawks kind of thing mm-hmm. they, they start to hover around and so actually you see that many so-called alternative companies were actually bought out by the likes of nestle or whatever mm-hmm. um and so yeah uh, very much centralization of power and control mm-hmm. in that respect yeah and it really is about control i think too i think half the impetus for genetic modification and fake foods and all that kind of stuff is control like being able to patent you know, all the corn that's coming out of the ground, if it's patented, like, you know, there's one, one company is basically controlling all of that. It's, it, it's basically like they want to, and we covered this on the last show too, but essentially they want to have complete control of everything grown um, and processed and distributed. Every bite that every person eats is theirs, you know, you're paying them for it at multiple mm-hmm. levels. And it's that illusion of choice, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, one of the... I don't know. It seems like on, on one level, it's somewhat of a spiritual thing. Because mm-hmm. if you consider, like, I don't know, maybe this world is not run by our... Or under the... I don't know how to put it. Um, like our original creator who has our best intentions at or our best interests at heart mm. is not in charge of the things that are going on here. Say that there's another faction that's sort of moved in and they're trying to replace everything that is natural the way their creator intended it to be and trying to push in this whole kind of like fake system without anybody noticing it. Mm. 
like the it it's not just like with the food it's with religion it's with health like everything that is natural and normal is being replaced with fakery and i think they're not just trying to do this with food now but eventually with humans with the whole transhumanism thing mm. i think that on the deepest level all of this is a spiritual warfare mm -hmm. well like they're even trying to uh replace breast milk now right that's the latest fake food that's kind of uh shot across the bow i think as far as i know it's not actually a thing yet like it's not actually out to the public but they have basically cultured um mammary cells and are producing milk with them breast milk so pretty soon women won't even have to breastfeed anymore they can just go to the store and buy some breast milk yeah the, this article out on cnbc from mm. june the 16th all breast milk company biomilk raises 3.5 million dollars from surprise surprise bill gates's investment <laughs> firm <laughs> so i was reading this they're they're talking about beyond meat and impossible foods other fake foods again replacing what is natural with something that is complete hooey but so now biomilk comes on the scene and they want to create fake breast milk and the first thing that came to my mind is where are all the moms gonna be why can't mm. they <laughs> breastfeed well yeah yeah uh, and i mean something, where are they gonna are they gonna be off in some camp are they growing these babies and you know in pods somewhere and that not gonna have mothers geez. to breastfeed them why are we gonna need this breast milk well, That's Tiffany, I, it says in one of the articles that we read, you know, this is for working moms. These are This is for moms oh. that, you know, may have a little bit of problems getting the baby to latch on and nursing effectively. And, you know, what blew my mind about this whole thing is that they're doing it because they want to cut down on greenhouse gases. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's ridiculous. They're basically <laughs> saying that... Yeah, they're basically saying that because uh, infant formula comes from cows, and everybody knows that cows are terrible for the environment, despite the fact that they've been on the planet for God knows how long. And before that, there was, uh, you know, billions of buffalo across North America. But no, 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 cow farts are destroying the planet. So if we can come up with an alternative to infant formula... It's just so ridiculous. I mean, on the yeah, one not hand, not that I'm a fan of infant formula. Or well, anything. exactly, I mean, right? Yes, it is crap, of course. <laughs> but this doesn't seem like a viable alternative to me. I don't know. Maybe well, I'm I just old-fashioned. <laughs> I wonder, honestly. Like I, the way I see it is, like you know, we know we've done shows on this in the past that breast milk is offering so much more than just the bare nutrition, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. just protein and vitamins, et cetera, et cetera. There's like melatonin in there that has to do with the time of day that the, the nursing is going on. There's like, there's, there's the whole bonding experience that goes on there. That's like important for infant development. So the idea that you can just replace that with, you know, a lab grown thing is ridiculous. But mm -hmm. that being said, if it is better than infant formula because it is actually something produced by mammary cells it is intended for humans blah 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 maybe it would actually be a step up in situations where women actually can't breastfeed right and there are some situations like that so obviously it's going to be far inferior to actual breastfeeding but i'm yeah. wondering if it might be better than infant formula so well there was one 
plus side to this because I was reading that they use the mammary epithelial cells. So at least they are using human mammary epithelial cells versus some other animal. But I guess that they showed proof that their artificial breast milk can produce casein and lactose. And so these are the proteins that are found in natural human breast milk that are important for growth. But like you said, there's all other types of components in breast milk, some of them that we don't even know what they are. Exactly. So this is undoubtedly going to be an inferior product. I don't mm -hmm. know if it'll be as inferior as the formula, but... Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is that whenever something like this comes out, right, and they have the idea that this is for a specific um, target group, right? So they say this is for women who, um, for whatever reason, can't breastfeed um, or, you know, kids who have allergies to their mother's breast milk or something, you know, some kind of situation where it's actually necessary. It never stops there right? They mm -hmm. always try to expand the market, right? And you know that even if it doesn't come out like this at first, they're going to push it so that it's, you know, basically get, starts getting marketed to moms on the go, right? Uh, and eventually it's just to moms who can't be bothered. Um, so eventually it'll like, you know, they'll probably eventually get to the point where the same way sports drinks, you know, at first it was like marketed towards people who actually did sports, and then after a while, you know, it got to the point where they were saying, actually, this is better than water. What, you know, drinking our sports mm -hmm. drink is more hydrating than water. So everybody should be drinking this all of the time. It's, it's going to get to that point. Yeah, because electrolytes, even your plants need it. Well, another thing that crossed my mind, and I don't know why, for some reason, the climate that we're living in just makes me think of conspiracies just everywhere. <laughs> But like you said, Doug, like moms who are too busy or maybe moms who uh, can't get their baby to latch on. But what if there were no moms involved at all? What if the state well, became yeah. so powerful that on birth, your child becomes a ward of the state? You can have mm -hmm. visitation, but somebody's going to have to feed these babies. So we're going to need another form of breast milk. Yeah. Well, that's uh, the ultimate. That's the ultimate. not going to be there. <laughs> that's like, that's like the ultimate feminist agenda, essentially. Yeah. So like the family is is toxic. so overbearing and awful, mm -hmm. you know, and to be a wife and a mother or to take care of the home and children is so oppressive. Mm -hmm. Degrading. Well, and that's yeah. what's interesting about, you know, the the way that this article was written. It's like BioMilk co-founder and CEO Michelle Egger and another CSO, Leela Strickland. You know, it's two women. Um, oh, and of course, one of them did a stint for the Gates Foundation. You know, so <laughs> and so, you know, here, just like you were saying about the feminist agenda, like this is freedom. These are two very, you know, smart women that are just taking on this initiative and making it better. And I wouldn't be surprised, too, if it was for countries like Africa, you know what mm -hmm. I mean, or India or, you, you know what I'm saying, like um, <clears throat> pushing it over there first mm -hmm. to see what, what kind of um, side effects happen or 
Um, I also think they probably with those mammal epiphyll cells that you were talking about, Tiff, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if they use um, gene drive technology too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly talking about do, starting it in Africa first. That's exactly what they did with um, the infant formula before mm-hmm. Nestle was pushing the infant formula over there and telling all the mothers that it was superior to breast milk and they should stop breastfeeding and use their infant formula instead. It led to like, it was a disaster, an absolute disaster. And they just kind of washed their hands of it and walked away. Having having made millions, you know? All to combat world hunger. Oh, of course. Yeah. It always comes guised in like a cloak of philanthropy. (laughs) Yeah. And it, and it works, too, yeah. because it's not like there aren't still over a billion people in the world who aren't hungry right now, given all the technology and all the food that is grown. Mm-hmm. People are still hungry. Yeah. But, and- you know, then the the grand tradition of all these mega corporations and the people who run them, they are so fixated on what they're final result is they just double down in the face of all evidence to the contrary that their schemes are not working mm-hmm. yeah how many not years that the people GMOs? at the very top believe that these schemes have the purpose of helping the world or anything but no like how many but if years you create dependence then you have that control mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i was just gonna say like how many how many years have we had gmos and you know when they came out the, the great promise was that, oh, it's going to help feed the world. It's going to save the world. Hunger, world hunger will it's be going to increase an yields. Yeah, increase yields and all this kind of stuff. Have any of those promises come to pass? No. We just have crops that can drink poison or create poison. That's it. Yields are not better. They're not getting more food. Hunger is not going down. And it becomes kind of cyclical too, like, um, you know, the, the whole golden rice uh, mm-hmm. was first introduced in, in Asia and the Philippines, and they claim they did it to help people get more vitamin A, right? Like we're going to genetically modify uh, rice to be able to help with vitamin A deficiency, especially in these Asian countries where, you know, the rice is a staple food. And then when it came to actually doing the testing on how much vitamin A you actually got from the golden rice, I mean, you had to eat an ungodly amount to even make it worth it. So, but then that you kind of see that didn't really take off, but then again, like 10 or 15 years later, they try it again. You know, the golden rice in Asia and they figure maybe people's attention span is so bad that they're not going to realize we already tried this and it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, it was basically discovered that the longer it was on the shelf, the more degradation there was of the beta carotene. And yeah, by the time by the time people were actually eating it, there was like none left. But yeah, I, and they they called it golden rice because through the genetic modification, it turned this like piss yellow color, <laughs> and they, they realized like, oh my gosh, people, you know, in in Asia, like it's sometimes referred to as China white as rice, 
right? Because it's white, but it was golden color. And so whoever created it, Gates or whoever, some philanthropic organization, they're like, let's just call it golden rice because everyone loves gold. <laughs> I <laughs> I <love> gold. <laughs> <laughs> but just again, mass manipulation of your mind mm-hmm. and not questioning, you know, oh, it's a good thing. They want to feed all these Asians golden rice. You know? <laughs> and, and we won't even get into the potential of sterility in the rice or the corn or you know, I mean, all the God knows what added benefits of philanthropic yeah. Bill Gates and his yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's coming in through the back door with that stuff? Yeah. Well, back to that uh, first article written way back in 2011. Seems like a very long, long time ago. ago. <laughs> Six ways food is being used as a weapon. Um, the first thing they named was food inflation, mm-hmm. which we're seeing right now. Um, so they're saying that they can purposely inflate the price of food just through Wall Street speculation and excessive money printing, which is happening right now as we speak. They're just printing and printing with no end, like quantitative easing. Is this quantitative QE infinity? Is that what they're calling it now? They're just printing, printing, printing. And you go to the grocery store. I haven't noticed it so much with non-meat products yet, just a little bit. Mm. But meat Beef, especially, the price has doubled, mm. like in the last few months, I've noticed. And, I mean, you can't say that this is all, I mean, at the, at the very source of it is all fakery from this hoax of a pandemic that they're running. But um, if they're uh, closing down uh, slaughterhouses and food packing plants and People are allegedly testing positive for COVID and the three-day supply chain or just-in-time supply chain is breaking down. I can see why the prices would go up. You can say that those are all natural occurrences to the COVID pandemic, or you could say that it's completely manufactured in one way or the other. But we are seeing that the price of food is going up a lot. So if people can't afford to buy food, you know, you kind of... You got them. Yeah. And if you're you're in control of the food, they'll do whatever they can do in order to feed their families. Whether yeah. it's submitting to uh, birth control policies like they're using on a countrywide level or whatever policies that they choose to put in place. If your kids are hungry, you want to feed them. Mm-hmm. They'll all have to become climate activists. Yeah drinking bio milk yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty crazy well the same thing goes for food shortages too mm-hmm. I mean we're seeing that I've never seen so many empty food shelves ever in my mm. lifetime I mean like when this pandemic first broke out 
there were loads and loads of empty food shelves, the meat department would be completely just ransacked. And all you see there was some Beyond Burgers or something. <laughs> exactly. That's what's always it left seems like, Yeah, like maybe in the last three to four weeks, like the, the shelves at the grocery stores, at least where I live, they're looking like they're back to normal for the most mm-hmm. part. But yeah. for a while, it was really strange because... I never had an experience seeing a bunch of empty food shelf, like the whole milk section or the bread section wiped out. Mm. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm lucky that I didn't see that where I am, really. Mm -hmm. Didn't really see food shortages at all. Not to say that it won't happen in the future, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Europe seems to be a little bit more better off than us. 24 7 guinea pigs here in the u.s of a (laughs) yeah (laughs) but like you were talking about tiff with shortages too just also being only able to purchase one of you know say you want to buy like a a pork butt or beef you know that all the signs around the grocery store uh, limit one per person or Mm -hmm. you know i mean just the, the psychological operation in the mind of something like that like say you got your paycheck or your stimulus check and you decided you wanted to spend the whole thing to buy food to can to be a little bit prepared and you go to the grocery store and you're not allowed to do that you're only allowed to buy one of each thing. I mean, and and back to being a parent with kids, like all of a sudden that paranoia switch is turned on and you start to panic a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, and, and we saw a lot of panic buying of toilet paper in the beginning, but, you know, also uh, around the U.S., you know, people with money could buy all kinds of stuff and then other people were kind of just left with the the scraps and whatnot. But I think it's interesting how the Beyond Burger and fake cheese and all that was the only thing left on some of the shelves. So that maybe even gave them a a picture of the fact that, yeah, people just still aren't ready for that. They don't really (laughs) want that. They're they're not really that interested. Yeah, despite the push, it seems that people still... You know, when 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 the shit really hits the fan, nobody wants those goddamn Beyond Burgers. Like, <laughs> nobody wants that shit. Everybody oh. wants real food. It's like, no, we're in a crisis situation. I need some real food now. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're not we're not joking around anymore. Give me the real food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as with all things, wait and see, right? Wait and see what comes next. I mean, we didn't go through all six ways of those the the control of food, but you know, we we've talked in the past about additives, and we talked a little bit last week about regulations, and then one last thing is the weather. Um, you know, it's been very strange, <laughs> and as, as farmers know, you know, you, you are really every day can, can ruin you financially. It could Mm. be devastating. And so, you know, for a long time, the GMO thing was, was, uh, kind of pushed onto farmers as being drought resistant or, Mm. you know, able to handle a lot more environmental change. I think that was all just BS, Mm -hmm. you know, um, But, you know, again, like we've said so many times, there are solutions. There are, you know, you can have a little square foot garden in your backyard. You can use potted plants in your house. I mean, trying to have a plan 
food storage, a little bit of food storage, you know, even if it's just figuring out how many people are in your family and how much it would take to feed everyone for a month, just being a little bit more prepared, having that knowledge um, can kind of help do away with that paranoia that a lot of people start to experience and then feel like they have no um, resources or um, access. That's just something off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Anyone else have anything? <laughs> we want to try and end on a on a on a more positive note. You know, yeah. It's Just not knowing hopeless. this is going to be, um, you know, something that will help you. I just have a a quote here from the end of this article, and that six ways. Um, It's by Franklin Roosevelt, and it talks about true individual freedom cannot exist without economic security and independence. People who are hungry and out of a job are the stuff of which dictatorships are made. Didn't they just rip down his statue? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) They don't want to know that. Yeah. No, So... Get your food stuff up, you know, Get find your own little home business, start weaving baskets. I don't know, selling canaries, whatever you got to do. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> All right. Anybody have anything else? No. I think that's it. Yeah, just be prepared. Be prepared. Yeah, wake up every day. Uh, being open to all possibilities. <laughs> there you go. That's good advice. <laughs> so thank you all co-hosts and Damien for those images that help really get the message across of what we're trying to share here. And please like, and subscribe below. And um, thank you all for tuning in. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Everybody. Bye. Bye.